The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to reproach the towns where most of his mighty deeds had been done, since they had not repented. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they long ago would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And as for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to the heaven? You will go down to the netherworld. For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Sometimes you hear the words of the Gospel and you're thinking, wow, Jesus is not having a good day. This is a remarkable series of statements from the Lord and one that we do well to pause over. Because it hinges on an absolutely surprising, perhaps even shocking idea. We all know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, I hope. These cities proverbial for great and obvious wickedness. And notice what Jesus is saying. Those great sins and those who have committed them will have an easier time on the day of judgment than you who haven't committed those things. That's what he's saying. And so we, with our quick judgment about others, you know, let's apply that today. Is it possible that the abortionist is going to have an easier time on the day of judgment than some of us? Is it possible that the purveyors of this culture of license and self-indulgence and such obvious wickedness that we feel polluted just hearing about it, is it possible that they will have an easier time on the day of judgment than some of us? That's a disturbing statement that Jesus is making. And note how it cuts across our easy judgments where we say, well, at least I'm not that bad. This is the Lord speaking to that penitent who comes to, the con to confession. Well, I've never killed anybody, and I've never, I've never robbed a bank. It's like, I hope not. But we do those things. We look at the great sins and we say, I haven't done any of those things. I must be okay. I'm at least on the right side of the life question. 
I'm at least on the right side of the sexual morality question. I'm at least on the right side of the caring for the poor question. And Jesus says, oh, don't think that gets you ahead. That's a remarkable statement. And one that we need to pay attention to. Because he's saying there's something even more important than not doing those things. And that is opening your heart to my grace when it comes to you. And closing your heart to my grace on some levels is a bigger crime than any of those other things. Wow. That's not something we want to hear. But know what he says. If I came to Sodom, wicked as it was, and did in that area what I have done, what I have done for you, they would have changed. You're still the same. And let's not fool ourselves or flatter ourselves by saying, well, you know, it's not like Jesus has come and worked a great miracle for me because he has right here on this altar every time we've gathered for Mass. Know what the Lord is saying. It's easy to judge those who fell into wickedness and didn't have the intervention of grace to call them out of it. And Jesus isn't saying it's going to go well for them on the day of judgment. But he's also saying, don't be so quick to think it'll go better for you. Because what have you done with the interventions of my grace that have come into your life? That's a sobering question, and if we're honest with ourselves, what have our parishes done with this great gift of the Lord who gives himself to us in the Blessed Sacrament and in all of the sacraments? What have our families done with the helps of grace that the Lord has given us? And what have we not done? What change have we resisted? What comfort level have we found ourselves settling into where we can't be bothered to move and respond? Now the Lord, the Lord in these stern words today is saying something very important. It's not enough to tell me the evils you haven't done if your life hasn't moved toward the good that it could do. It's not enough to point at the other realities and say we have to fight and argue for a change there if that change hasn't happened in you. 
why does Jesus speak this clearly? On the one hand, because it's so very important and our eternal destiny rests on it. And on a very basic and fundamental level, it's because the Lord expects that what he's done for us gets a response. He expects that his presence in our lives produces a movement on our part, a response on our heart. And when that doesn't happen, when that doesn't happen consistently, and we play the comparison game of saying, I'm not that bad, look at how much worse there is, we essentially give ourselves permission not to move. And Jesus says right here, then you've already lost. If I did for these other places, what I did for you. They, in their obvious wickedness, would have recognized the contrast and would have changed. But you who deny your sinfulness, you who make peace with a certain spiritual mediocrity, you who are content to receive as if it is your right, but do not appreciate, don't think you're any better. What a remarkably powerful statement that is. And so it just raises the question. In just a few minutes, the Lord who speaks to us in this powerful and compelling way and who does so to shake our hearts to the point of recognizing just how much he does for us so that we appreciate it and begin to respond and begin to move is going to be here. How well do we appreciate the one we receive? How well do we truly surrender our hearts to be moved by him? How willing are we to change for him in the way that pleases him, not in the way that pleases us? If the center of wickedness had received what I have to give, there'd be a movement. This is a theme that runs through the teaching of Jesus. In the book of Revelation, as he speaks to the apostle John, he says very directly, it is the one who is lukewarm that I spit out of my mouth. The one who's neither hot or cold, who's just okay and happy to be so. Because the Lord doesn't come for us to be okay. The Lord doesn't spill every drop of his blood for business as usual. And as consoling as the gospel is, it is important from time to time that we allow ourselves, every single one of us, starting with me, to feel its bite.
to let it make ourselves uncomfortable. And why? Because that discomfort reminds us the Lord has more. And the Lord expects more. Jesus expects more from us than we do from ourselves. Because he knows how much more there can be. And he knows how much more he has to give. It's amazing. We expect more from the plumber who works on our house. We expect more from the person who stocks our grocery shelves that what we are looking for is there. It's interesting how much more we expect from the world around us on the silliest and smallest of things. We expect more. We want more. But with regard to the movement of grace in our hearts, we're strangely content with less. We're strangely happy with just a little. And Jesus is saying, but I'm not. I've given you everything. I'm not happy if you receive just a little. I didn't come for you to have just a little. I didn't come, I didn't die on the cross for you to have just a little. I've come for more. And there's always more for you and more to you if you respond to me. In that stern difficulty that he shows us is this beautiful truth. Why is he using such strong language? Because there's more. There's more to our lives than we want to admit. There's more to grace than we realize. There's always more that he has for us. But that more requires a movement. It requires a change. And Jesus is basically saying, you haven't let my grace change you. How is that receiving my grace at all? And he doesn't say it to condemn us. He says it to convict us and to spur us. That our lives have a greater degree of holy energy about them. And that is a marvelous thing. And sometimes the teacher has to use the sharp word, the challenging word, the cutting word, so that we can feel the truth and move into its goodness. That's what we have today before us. But it's a word spoken in the sternness of love. And love, as scripture says, is sterner than death. And the Lord is reminding us you know where the way of Sodom leads. You know where the way of Tyre and Sodom leads. But if you want to not walk that way, you can't just sit still. There needs to be a response, a movement to my grace and my presence in your life. Would that today, even if it is only a small step further than we normally do, that our own hearts and our own lives respond a bit more.
a bit more. Because Jesus seeks that. He who gives us everything waits for us to stretch our hearts, to stretch our lives, to receive and to live the everything that he has for us. Amen.